You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. The leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. Today, we're going to continue with part two of our discussion from episode 141, How to Instill Confidence in Times of Uncertainty. In part one, we discussed the three levels of impact you need to have in challenging conversations and how to make them happen, how to determine the most important qualities you need to project during crucial conversations, and what those qualities look and sound like. And we even did some pretty massive myth-busting around the relationship between what you say and how you say it. So let's break it down a little bit, and let's look at what it is about how to make sure that there is full integration of your words, your meaning, and your delivery, so that people don't just hear your words, they get it, because they get you. And that helps you to convey the qualities that you want and inspire that confidence, because you're exuding it first. Let's start with the what, what you say. We'll start with the content of your message. First and foremost, I think in these challenging times, empathy almost goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. You have to be empathetic to someone's situation, whatever it is, economically, family-wise. Did they just move here and now they're being let go? I don't know. But consider their perspective. What are their concerns? Do you know actively what their biggest concern is? If so, address it. And if not, here's the thought, ask. Let them talk first. Let them get stuff off their chest. When in doubt, most people, and where there's conflict in the world is often because people who are unable to hear and to listen is because they don't feel like they have been heard and listened to yet. So sometimes the way to take the anxiety level down is just to let the other person talk first and to listen. That can be the best demonstration of empathy. But also, of course, using words of empathy, sharing that you understand, sharing words of compassion. In addition, I think it's really important that we're careful to be clear and decisive in what you both can say. I'm sure certain compliance departments and whatever else, you're only allowed to say certain things. You can only voice certain opinions. Or at least that you don't want to say certain things, and that's fine. But whatever you can and want to say, be decisive. We really want to make sure that we are avoiding rambling because rambling sounds like scrambling. When you're just going in long run-on sentences and one thought kind of leads to another and you just keep talking and babbling and it doesn't seem like you really know where you're going. It's just a stream of consciousness and your car's on autopilot and regardless, there's no GPS. It stopped trying to recalculate the route a million years ago. That does not sound confident. We need to make declarative, discreet, and deliberate statements with a clear start and end. Just like if you were writing a paragraph to somebody, that paragraph in an email or anything else should not be one giant run-on sentence, right? We don't want to just blather. There should be sentence number one, 
sentence number two, sentence number three. Make your point, put a period. Stick the landing, as the gymnasts say. Then start walking again. Make your points one at a time. It sounds organized. It sounds intentional. It sounds like you are committed to your own words. Own it. Don't ramble. Similarly, don't hem and haw. If you need to think about how to answer a hard question or how to share a particular piece of information, pause. And I realize this is utterly counterintuitive in the stereotypical American business culture, but silence is okay. It is useful. It is valuable. Someone asks you a question and you need to weigh your words carefully or really think about, okay, what is the answer to that? Instead of jumping right in for the sake of filling any quote unquote awkward silence, you create awkward babbling. Well, I mean, let me think, you know, it's kind of like, well, I mean, you know, all of which is no, you don't know. Whereas if someone asks you that same question and they just, you hear it and you pause. Whether you look at them, whether you take a few notes on a notepad next to you, look up in the ceiling for a second, maybe nod your head, or even say, that's a great question. Let me think about that for a moment. And then do it. They will give you the time to answer it so that when you then come back with your response, it's something you own. Might be long, might be short, might be partial, but it will be deliberate and it will be intentional. And again, you will sound like you believe what you say. Then stop talking. The other thing we want to make sure that we're doing is being honest and transparent when you don't know something and or when, frankly, you can't say it. They might not like knowing there's something that you're not allowed to say, but you're being honest with them. Transparency is part of empathy, saying, I'm being honest with you. I wish I could give you different answers. I wish I had more information to share. I wish I could tell you what the mucky mucks up there are all talking about. I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the information. What I can share with you is this. What I want you to know is this. What's important in the moment is this. It's okay to say when you don't know or are otherwise unable to share something. Be clear. And that the respect that you'll show someone, frankly, is the fact that you're being open and honest with them. Again, and as you are hopefully noticing in everything that I'm demonstrating as I'm sharing these ideas with you today, after each point, put a period. End the sentence. And start talking again. So... The other thing is that when in doubt, where possible, balance the discussion of the unpleasant stuff with some good news. Where is there hope? Where is there something they should not be worried about? Where can you encourage someone? The word encourage is from French. Courage or courage is from heart. Cor. I don't speak French, so if I just butchered the pronunciation, forgive me for that. But the cur in courage is the French for heart. So when you have that core, that heart, you're giving someone heart. Courage is having heart. Encourage is instilling the heart, giving someone else that heart. Where can you give heart to someone? So 
is it a matter of there's commitment for the next six months, there's no more layoffs, or that we're going to be bringing people back, or that there's absolutely, this department is solid. We appreciate you. You're not going anywhere. I want you here. I need you on my team. What can you let them know? What can you share that will help them feel more settled in something? Or is it just a matter of we have partners, we are working with other recruiters and headhunters and whoever else, and we have a package, we're going to help you redo your resume, we're going to write you fabulous letters of recommendation, we are going to do this, that, and the other thing, here's the severance package, here's the support that we're going to give you. Heck, they may even feel like they're better off not working there than working there. Whatever it is, make sure that you're adding something positive. And when possible, start with something positive first. Start with the positive. Then you can share whatever is the challenges and then reiterate the positive again at the end. I know it's cliche to do that, but the fact is it's not just being cliche because you're covering. It's a commonly referenced pattern because it matters and it does have the result that you want it to have. So don't downplay that just because it sounds like, oh, I, I, everybody says that and it's just nonsense. It's not nonsense. It's effective. Okay, so we've talked quite a bit about what to say. Now, let's look at the how you say it. Let's look at the voice. First and foremost, (laughs) go slow. When entering into these conversations that are difficult, these crucial conversations, as many people will refer to it, these uncomfortable conflict-oriented situations, the first thing that happens, as we all know, and if anybody out there does or doesn't relate to this, please let me know, adrenaline kicks in. Just knowing that this conversation is impending the day or two in advance, if not an hour or two in advance, or certainly the couple minutes leading into it, the adrenaline kicks in, the heart rate kicks in. And as soon as you start feeling that adrenaline, everything races, and that includes your tongue. So be sure that you are talking as slowly and calmly and stably as you can. It may sound oddly slow to you, like you're trying to talk someone down off the ledge, but because your adrenaline is already kicking in, you don't realize that you actually are speaking much faster than you realize. It's like driving under the influence. You don't realize how fast you're driving. You're speaking under the influence. You don't realize how fast you're talking. So make sure, drive yourself a note, pace, slow down. Next, vocally speaking, tonality matters. Avoid upspeak. Any of you who've heard me talk about anything else know upspeak or uptalk, otherwise known more technically as high-rise terminal, is something that drives me absolutely bonkers. And upspeak is that pattern that sounds like I'm asking questions at the ends of all my phrases and sentences, even when I'm not. And by the way, for all the guys out there, I have some bad news for you. A Y chromosome is not a vaccine against upspeak. It's not a chick thing. It's not a millennial thing. It's not, nope. Hate to tell you this. There's a million reasons why you may not recognize it when it happens from other guys or not recognize it in yourselves, but men and women tend to do it far more than they would gain value. Let's put it that way. So with that, upspeak, regardless of whether it's something that an in-group likes to do together, that's not the point. In these contexts, upspeak projects uncertainty, which is the antithesis of confidence. Because when I'm talking like this and all my phrases and sentences And in that rising tone, that mirrors the English structure and, frankly, other languages as well, what's known as a tag question. The tag question is when you make a statement and then at the end you go, you know, right? Okay? Know what I mean? 
so if I'm saying those things to you or I'm inflecting them, then it sounds like I don't really know because I have to say, right? Okay. You know what I mean? Why are you asking me? You're the one making the statement and you're letting me know about these horrible things that are happening to our department or whatever it is. So we need to make sure that we are making declarative sentences, that our voice drops at the end. It's not to sound blunt. Everything is this. Here's what we're doing. You need to deal with it. I don't care. That's not my point. Variation matters. If you go back and you listen to everything that I've been saying here, sometimes things go up and sometimes they go down, but there's a place and a time. And I'm not implying a tag question when it's not necessary. If you're trying to inspire confidence, it has to sound like you mean what you say. It has to be declarative in tone. And by the way, going back to that run-on sentence piece that we talked about before, run-on sentences are one of the greatest catalysts for upspeak because it just sounds like it's more and more. I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. It's uh, I'm not sure about this. She is there more. I don't really know. And I'm rambling and I'm not totally sure. Again, you're projecting uncertainty. So if you can cut down on the run-on sentences, it'll automatically help to stave off upspeak. So you get a two-for-one bonus there. And yeah, there can be, certainly people can sound, infer that tone as being ironic or indifferent, or there's lots of negative ways to make it sound, but it's rarely positive. The other thing you want to avoid vocally is vocal fry. And vocal fry is that, that really it's about lack of breath support. Everything's just sort of bottoming out, but where it's creaky and gravelly and maybe you start out okay, but then you tend to trail off at the end of your sentences. And frankly, if you do run on sentences, then once again, you're more likely to trail off and head into that vocal fry because you're not uh, allowing yourself to refuel the tank. You're not allowing yourself to stop and breathe. You're just trying to keep going and squeeze blood out of a stone. And usually that's because you're anxious and your body's tensing up and you're not allowing yourself to breathe and make another statement. So avoid that vocal fry. Make sure that you're using your full resonant voice. You're allowing yourself to breathe at whatever pause is necessary. Because again, that sounds confident. If I'm using vocal fry, it kind of sounds like I'm either indifferent, like, yeah, whatever, don't really care about what happens to this group. Or it sounds hesitant, like my body's going, oh, I know I have to say this to you, but I really don't want to. There's an anxiety or an anxiousness to it, that hesitation, that, oh, reluctance, I don't want to say this, but I have to. Allow the full voice to come out. It helps you sound confident. That instills and inspires confidence on others. All right, last point. We've talked about what to say. We've talked about how to say it vocally. Let's talk about how to say it visually, physically, your body language. When in doubt, this is an awful lot of stuff that I feel like should go without saying, but in today's world, I'm darn going to say all of it. If possible, have these conversations in person. Do not avoid, do not hide behind email or Slack, God forbid, text messages and whatever other texting, WhatsApp, Discord, whatever channels you've got. Have the conversation in person. That's respecting the audience. That's having the integrity. That's having the chutzpah to just get up and say, you deserve to be face-to-face with me on this. I'm not hiding from you. I'm not taking the easy way out and cheating. If it can't be done in person and it's going to be virtually like this, cameras on. Did I mince my words? Was I unclear about that? Allow me to reiterate it. Cameras on. 
People need to see your face. If you're hiding behind a screen, you're hiding behind a PowerPoint slide, God help you. You're hiding behind just a black square with your name in front of it. All that conveys is, I don't want you to see me. I'm embarrassed. I'm bashful. I don't have confidence in myself. I don't believe what I'm saying. I'm afraid you're going to be mad at me. All that kind of stuff. Horrible. Turn your camera on. Make eye contact. Do not hedge. You are not teenagers. We are not teenagers trying to break up with somebody who we are hoping we're not going to see in the hallway on the way to algebra class going, uh, yeah, um, my, my cat's sick, so I can't, yeah, sorry. No, face to face. Have that kind of integrity, both from the ethical side and from the whole completion, integer, integration aspect of communicating. They deserve to see your face. If you can't even look at them in the face when you're giving them this information, well, the rest kind of doesn't matter because you're already dead in the water on that one. Camera's on. Now, let's talk about a couple little details with regard to that. Number one, the angle of your camera is going to matter. If you're looking to project confidence and thinking about some of those other qualities that you mentioned earlier, to project confidence, you have to own the screen. Little things like, I want to demonstrate on the video here, hopefully everybody else can tune into the replay later if you're listening to the podcast version of this, but if you're way down here where your head is on the bottom of the screen and your chin is kind of touching the bottom and the top of your head somewhere around the middle of the screen and then the top half of the screen is all ceiling and sky, you look like you're trying to slide under the desk like you're trying to hide from someone. You look small, you look weak, you look timid. This does not say confident. This does not say leader. This does not say trust me, since I don't even trust myself. I certainly don't trust you. So you got to make sure that you're not just also shifting into the Alice of the Brady Bunch, kind of the middle ninth. So here's the middle third and here's the middle third horizontally versus vertically. Your head's in the middle ninth. Tip your camera adjust accordingly so that your head is way up to the top of the screen. I'm going to adjust it a little bit more here. You want to have just a tiny little bit of space between the top of your head and the top of your screen. Here you own the screen. You're giving people more body language, your posture, your shoulders, a little bit of hand gestures. People are reading more of you and that helps people feel like they truly trust you because they're getting three-dimensional messaging. They're not just hearing words. They're seeing more of you. Do not just feel like, well, I'm not supposed to gesture when I'm on No. They want to see you. Think about it. When you can't see the other person at all, or you barely see them, you feel like you can't read them well, right? So when you have the opportunity to communicate with someone else, give them the gift of allowing them to be able to read you. And that includes seeing more of your torso, your shoulders, some of your hands, so they can see your movement. And if the person on the other end receiving needs to turn their camera off, yes, by all means, let them. It's not about you. Don't worry about that. They need to turn it off, grab a tissue, do whatever. Be empathetic to them. Address that. Give them permission explicitly. Go ahead, Susan. Go ahead, Jack. No problem if you want to turn that off. I I appreciate that. And I'm here for you. Anything you want to share, if you want to turn back on, fine. But otherwise, you leave your camera on. Now, once the camera is on and the video is angled in the right direction, so you are owning the screen, (laughs) Then here's a thought, don't fidget. Again, you're looking to project stability, confidence, trust. If you're someone who's, you know, fidgeting the entire time and uh, 
you know, hair on hand on your face, kind of you keep clicking your pen or picking at your fingernails or otherwise it is swiveling in your chair because you're not so sure. Or, you know, you keep sort of looking around everywhere, but at the screen or you'd, if you are fidgeting, however that manifests, that projects anxiety. If you seem anxious, that is what they will receive. And that is absolutely what they will feel. So you want to make sure that you get comfortable with that. And, you know, there's so much more to the on-camera presence. So what I will refer everyone to is if you are really looking to get better, not just for these kinds of conversations, but for every exchange, interaction, opportunity that's on camera, check out my online course, which is called Virtual Influence. And you can find that at virtualinfluence.today not.com, dot today, virtualinfluence.today. If you scroll to the bottom of the homepage, you'll see the table of contents and you'll see all the modules, all the videos that are there. So much is about how to connect with your audience, how to project what you want to project, how to engage people, how to keep people from multitasking, all that kind of fun stuff. But at least, if nothing else, the table of contents will give you food for thought. Like, oh yeah, I never thought about it. I gotta do this and I should think about that and I probably could do this better. Whether or not you get the course doesn't matter, but check out the table of contents and then go from there. Lastly, okay, we've talked about the verbal. We've talked about the vocal. We've talked about the visual. How do we drive it home? One word, practice. Because the biggest gap in the world is the three inches, as I mentioned before, between your brain and your mouth. You can mean to do all these things. You can tell yourself, okay, I'm not going to ramble. I'm going to use shorter sentences. I'm going to avoid jargon and ambiguous, hedgy kind of language. I'm going to use empathetic terms. I'm going to remember to smile when I'm being gentle and loving with somebody. I'm going to try to do this and that. And then you open your mouth and what happens? Now, you're not going to have time to run through your entire conversation, most likely. So here's a tip. It's what I like to call the 60 to 60 rule. And that's in the book as well, Speaking to Influence. And you can check that out at speakingtoinfluence.com or Amazon, et cetera. But the 60 to 60 rule states that the impression that you make in the first 60 seconds sets the audience's expectation for the experience that they're about to have with you over the next 60 minutes. Shorthanded, what that means is that if you just practice the first minute or so, you'll set the tone better. You will be better at identifying what you're doing effectively and not. You watch yourself in that first minute, kind of opening the conversation with somebody, and then you watch yourself on that video and you go, oh my God, that was a rambly mess. Or what was I doing with my face? Why was I looking up at the ceiling the entire time like there was going to be a script there? Or, oh my gosh, I just spoke a million miles a minute. Or I forgot to say hi. A million different things, right, as you're looking at your phone and watching that video. So trust me, the fastest way to get better is to record that first minute. Do it a couple times till you feel like, okay, I'm setting the right tone now. I'm getting off on the right foot. We're moving in the right direction. I can ride that wave now for the rest of the conversation. So practice, do the 60 to 60 rule. And again, remember two things. Listen. Don't just work on how you talk. Make sure to listen when someone is not, when they need to express themselves as well. And start and end with gratitude. Regardless of what their current situation is, are they being like oh, or not? Are they concerned about something or otherwise? Start with gratitude and end with gratitude and commitment. What are you committing to with them? You may have said it throughout. Finish with it again. Gratitude and commitment. Grateful to them for X and committing to them 
that why. Uh, this is how we will demonstrate and inspire confidence in others in these uncertain times. So we've got just a couple of minutes left, and I want to uh, take a look through the chat here and see what kind of other questions people have. If you do have a specific question, feel free to put it back in the chat now. Let's see. Yes, let that person talk. Empathy and compassion is important. Yes, getting those kinds of things reiterated here. Again, for those who are, are listening in, the virtual influence course is virtualinfluence.today is the online page. And the book is at speakingtoinfluence.com if you want to check that out as well. Those 60 seconds are super critical. Those first 60 seconds, they, they set the tone. If you seem like you're a hot mess, that's what people are going to brace themselves for. More hot mess. Please share in the chat, what's one of your big takeaways from today? Maybe it was something you'd never thought about before. Maybe it was just a really good reminder. Oh, right. Got to do this. Was it about the sound of your voice? Was it about how to start? Was it about the challenging field of the virtual space versus being in person? Was it about the three degrees of impact? Remember what they were? Think. Feel. Do. Cognitive. Emotional. Behavioral. Less waving, more pointing. Be able to articulate for yourself what the key is. What is the outcome you desire? Thanks for tuning in to part two of how to instill confidence in times of uncertainty. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or your platform of choice so we can help even more people increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, if you want to download my free guide to equipment recommendations for virtual influence, including my picks for microphones, lights, and more, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.